Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from August 16th by Pastor Randy titled, Truth Destroying Strongholds. And I'd like to start by telling you one of the most famous Greek stories from Greek history. It's when the Greeks conquered the city of Troy. They laid siege to Troy for over 10 years. And then Ulysses decided to have this big wooden horse made and to leave it at the, the gates of the city of Troy in honor of the unconquerable Trojans. And then he got with the rest of his troops. They sailed away in apparent defeat. So what the Trojans did out of their curiosity and, and their, their pride, they, they took the horse and drug it into the city. Although the priest named Lacoon said, I fear the Greeks even when they bear gifts. And you know what happened next? That night, Greek soldiers crept out of the horse, went and opened the city gates from within and let the Greek army through where they looted and burned and pillaged the city. And ever since then, the Trojan horse has been a symbol of deception. Scripture tells us that we have an enemy who's out to steal, kill, and destroy. And his main way of doing that is through deception. He wants to deceive us. He wants us to buy into a false reality. He wants us to, to buy into a lie. He wants us to, 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 to be deceived and, and tricked and lied to. And here's what we read out of 2 Corinthians 2.11. So that we may not be taken advantage of by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. We need to know that one of his schemes is to deceive us. In fact, that's why he, he does what he does, because the devil can't make us do anything. You realize that? He cannot make you do anything. That's why he has to deceive us, because he can't make us do anything. Think of it like this. Think of yourself, you're on this cliff, and you're, sit, you're standing on the edge, and you're looking out, and there's this just rocky gorge below you, and I walk up behind you, and I tell you, I've kidnapped a member of your family, and I will torture them and kill them unless you jump off this cliff. Now, I'm not making you jump off the cliff, but I'm making you think if you don't jump off the cliff, one of your family members is going to die. And you may jump off the cliff thinking that. And still, I did not make you jump. You just believed that one of your family members was going to die. And suppose you do jump off the cliff. And halfway down, I yell, I lied. Still, I did not make you jump off the cliff. I tricked you into jumping off the cliff. Now, if I were to come up behind you and push you off the cliff, it's a completely different story. Then I made you do something you did not want to do. Satan has no power to make you do anything. But he has a way of deceiving us. He tries to come in and give us lies, give us a false reality so that we'll buy into it. One of the famous comedians from the 60s, early 70s was Flip Wilson. Now, I know I lost everybody under the age of 50 who's listening right now. But he had this running narrative called The Devil Made Me Do It. It's sort of like Jeff Foxworthy. I know anybody under 40 probably doesn't know who he is. His running narrative was you might be a redneck if. You might be a redneck if you stare at the orange juice can because it says concentrate. That's the first one of his I remember. Just back then, it just burst out laughing at that. But what Flip Wilson, he tells a story one time, this couple who are struggling to make ends meet. And his wife comes home with this brand new $250 dress. 
And back then, you know, today it'd be like a thousand dollar dress. And he goes, what are you thinking? Why would you do something like that? She said, I was walking by the store and I saw a dress in the window. And next thing I know, I'm going in, I'm trying it on. And I look in the mirror and the devil comes up and whispers to me, oh, you look good in that dress. You need to buy that dress. And then I looked at it from the side and the devil came up to me again and said, oh, boy, you are hot in that dress. You really need to buy that dress. And the husband goes, why didn't you say, get behind me, Satan? And she says, I did. But he said, I look fabulous from back there too. And I I just remember one of his stories I just remember. But here's the thing. The devil can't make you do anything. He will try and deceive you and give you a lie. Now, we have a lot of lies that goes on in, in our culture. It's just, it's any culture. And, and some lies that we grab a hold of, they don't really have huge consequences. For example, most mothers told their kids growing up because they didn't want to have frogs jump around the house everywhere. So they told their kids growing up, don't handle frogs or you're going to get warts. Yeah, not true. But that's what they said. Not really allowed with a lot of consequences to it. But when Satan comes in and gives us lies, lies about our culture, lies about the truth, lies that contradict what God's word says, the results can be devastating. One would be what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. The idea that you can have a wheels off morality and as long as nobody knows, it's okay. Huge lies. Things that that will mess us up and there's a direct correlation here's what I need you to understand there's a direct correlation between what a person believes and how they behave okay well I think we'll all buy into that we'll all accept that there's a direct correlation when a person believes and how they behave and since the behavior of Christians is looking so much like the world since we can look inside our Christian culture and see how so many Christians are, are just messed up, they got sin in their lives, it's embedded deep within them, we can assume that a lot of Christians, they're being deceived. They bought into the lies. See, it's one thing when deception is out there in the world. It's a completely different thing when deception is going on in the church. Here's what we read out of 2 Timothy 4. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside the myths. And that's what we have that's going on in our churches. People say, look, don't tell me anything's going to make me uncomfortable. Don't tell me anything that's going to have to make me look inside myself and, 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 and think I need to change something that's going on inside of me. Just, just tell me things that I want to hear. Let's talk about the world out there. Let's talk about what's all going on out there in the world. Let's not talk about the sin that's going on in the lives of me and my family in church and other people in church. So we've been in a series on temptation. And what I want to do today is to focus in on what happens when people buy into the lie, what happens when people get deceived in the same way, in the same fashion, over and over and over again. So we're going to talk about what that looks like when somebody gets deceived. Then we're going to talk about the solution to that. Okay? So, first of all, what does it look like? What does Scripture talk about when a Christian will buy into that same lie over and over and over again in their life? Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. Since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through, 
through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. So right there, what happens is that Paul's saying you have Christians who are in church, but in their lives, they got these strongholds. And what's a stronghold? We just read it. Stronghold is a lie put up against the knowledge of God. Because that's what we just read. That's what a stronghold is. A, a lie that's up against the knowledge of God. And so that's what's going on uh, in our churches. The enemy will come into a person's life and he'll put up these walls. And he'll say, this is my territory. What goes on in here, I control it. What's happening here is up to me. I decide what happens with this part of your life. And many people bought into that. They have those strongholds in their life. And Satan says, this stronghold's never coming down. This is the way it is. This is the way it's gonna, always going to be. See, this is when you hear people say something like, God can never forgive me for what I've done. He'll I know he'll never forgive me for this. That's a stronghold of guilt. Or where you hear people say, I'll never forgive them. I don't care. Till my grave, I'm gonna dis I'll never let this go. I'll always hold this against him. That, that's a, a stronghold of, 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 uh, of resentment, of, of, of bitterness. Or when you hear somebody say, nothing ever good happens to me. That's a stronghold of self-pity. Or you hear somebody say, I'll never be loved. That's a stronghold of rejection. Or you hear somebody who finds their value in how they look. That's a stronghold of appearance. Or somebody who finds their value in their possessions. That's a stronghold of materialism. Whenever you hear a Christian go, this will never change. My marriage will never get better. My situation will never get better. I'll just have to live this for the rest of my life. You're talking to a Christian with a stronghold. How does Satan do this? How does Satan pull this off? How does Satan get Christians to live their whole life with these strongholds? Well, we read it. He says he, he, he's, it's a, he says a proud thing or a lofty thing. He comes in and puts up a, a, a barrier, a wall. We would think of this when you're talking about a proud thing or a lofty thing. Think of it like a partition. Okay. We have partitions downstairs and we pull those partitions when we, don't when we don't want what's happening on this side of the room to affect what's happening on this side of the room. We pull a partition. We put a wall up. It just so happens that in, in, in first century, they didn't pull their partitions across. They pulled them up. That's why they were called lofty things. They, they pulled them up from the floor. And what what Paul is saying is that we have this partition raised up, this, this wall raised up in your mind against the knowledge of God. So this is what it looks like. A person comes to church. They've got this temptation they've been given into over and over and over again. And they hear the word of God. And they hear the word of God talk about love and purity, forgiveness and peace and humility. But as soon as they walk out the door, a partition is put up so that that word that they heard has no effect on their life. They leave the same way they came in. All they have is a nice sermon and a song because it makes no difference in their life. See, Satan wants that partition pulled up because he knows if you'll take the truth of God and apply it to your life, that stronghold is going to come down. You're going to begin thinking differently and acting differently. So he takes that lofty thing or, or in the version we read, the proud thing, and he lifts it up 
to keep the truth of God from invading your heart, from making a difference in how you live. Satan wants to make you a spiritual schizophrenic. You know what a schizophrenic is? He's somebody who's nice one minute and mean the next. Bill one minute and Betty the next. And that's what he wants you to be as a Christian. A, a spiritual schizophrenic. So you come in this place and you talk about loving others and, and forgiving others and, and, and living a pure life. And the minute you walk out these doors, it goes to anger, to, to bitterness, to impurity and all sorts of stuff. So here's the question. Are there any spiritual schizos here? Do you have any strongholds in your life? It may be attitudes. It, it may be relationships. It may be, you know, things that you're doing, just actions in your life. And if you don't know what your stronghold is, ask the person who, if you're watching over the internet, ask the person you're sitting next to watching, or ask the person who you came with if you're here. They'll tell you. Or maybe you're the person who, who's thinking right now, you know, I don't think I have any strongholds. That's your stronghold. Because <laughs> you, You've gotten so used to these walls in your life, you're so used to having a stronghold there, you don't even notice it anymore. It's just there in the background and you think it's normal. You don't even notice it. So a few things to understand from the scripture we read out of 2 Corinthians about, about this. Number one, strongholds are demolished with divine weapons. It's going to take not circular weapons, not worldly weapons, divine weapons. See, if it's a spiritual battle, you need a spiritual cure. And you try and approach this any way other than spiritually, other than through the Word of God and His Holy Spirit, it's like trying to treat a brain tumor with Tylenol. It's not going to accomplish anything. The second thing, the battle takes place in your mind. How do we know that? We just read it. It said knowledge and thoughts and speculations. Uh, it, it, it's all things that all happen in your mind. And if the battle is in your mind, then there's no solution that does not address what's going on in your mind that's going to work. See, until you fix your mind, you're going to have trouble with your feet. You're going to have trouble with what you do. Because whoever controls the mind controls the show. Whoever controls the mind, they decide what your life looks like. The battle takes place in your mind. Next, how do you use these spiritual weapons? He says, you take every thought captive. You wrestle it to the ground. You take that thought, you wrestle it, you handcuff it, you put it on the ground, and you expose it to the truth of God's word. And you let God's word keep hitting that and hitting that and hitting that until you're ready to say, yes, I see now. You make sure that that. That thought, those things that come into your mind, you go, okay, I want to be angry. You know, I, I, I want to be angry with this person. I want, to, I want to be impatient. You know, I want to, I want to fulfill these lusts. I want to do it. And, and you just stop. You say, okay, I'm going to let God's word come in and rest that thought to the ground till I decide to submit to Christ. The next thing, every stronghold can be destroyed. Every one of them. Some of you have had, allowed strongholds to be built in your life that you had for years. And you're thinking, there's no way. No, every stronghold you have in life can be past tense tomorrow. Now, understand, I'm not, you're not saying you're going to be perfect. I'm not saying there's not going to be times of struggle or stumbling. But you don't have to be held hostage by it anymore. It doesn't have to call the shots in your life. And next, trying harder doesn't break through strongholds. Only the truth does that. If you think that 
You're going to come up against this stronghold and you're just going to say, well, I'm just going to double up my efforts tomorrow. I'm just going to do this twice as much. Or I'm just going to, it, it doesn't work that way. It, remember the battle is spiritual. This is how Paul puts it in Romans 12 too. He says, do not be conformed to the things of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transform is present and is passive tense. That means it's not something you do. That means it's, it's something that's done to you. You allow the Holy Spirit to come in and be in control of your life. So, let's go back to that phrase, proud thing or lofty thing. What you need to understand is that this battle where it takes place in is, or what happens when, when somebody's battling or having a stronghold is because they're, they're allowing their heart to lead the way. They think, if I do this, it's going to be best for me. It's, it's going to feel good. It's going to look good. And, and, and it's because their heart is leading the way. And, and we've all heard the expression, Christina used it, you know, follow your heart or let your heart be your guide. You know, things like that that, uh, that, that we've heard. Um, uh, the, the belief that your heart will always take you to the right place. But the Bible has a much different view of our hearts. Here's what the Bible says about our hearts. Do not be, uh, whoop. I didn't know what verse was in there. The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? The Bible has a lot different view of our hearts. See, the, all through the Bible, the heart is not the solution. The heart is the problem. That's the issue with the heart. And all sorts of dangerous things come from our hearts. Look at this verse in Matthew. For from the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulterers, sexual immorality, stealth, false testimonies, and slander. All that comes from the heart. See, every one of us can look back and see times when we followed our heart because we thought, you know, I just want to say this. I just want to do this. I just want to have this attitude. I just want to do this action. We can all look at times when we followed our heart and it's been, we had regret. We can look at times when we didn't follow our heart and we were glad we didn't. Here's what I want you to understand when it comes to this. Never underestimate your ability to overestimate yourself. Okay? Never underestimate your ability to overestimate yourself. To think so much about yourself that you get deceived. You wind up getting deceived into following your heart into giving into temptation. It happens so easily. It's so easy for us to overestimate ourselves. There's this website called OkCupid. It's a dating website where they match people up. And one of the questions they ask on the website is, are you a genius? Two out of five people say, yes, I'm a genius. Now, in our culture, one out of a hundred would be generous to say that they're a genius. But two out of five people say they're a genius. 30% of one sex says they're a genius and 50% of another sex say they're a genius. Can you guess which sex 50% of the time says they're a genius? Yeah, it's, it's the men, the, the males, which I could have told you because I'm a genius apparently. But, 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 but here's, the, here's the thing. We underestimate how easily we overestimate ourselves. In other words, we're so easily deceived. It's so easy for us to think that this wrong thing that we're doing, that it's okay, that it's right. Saul, he's out persecuting Christians, murdering them. He doesn't have a bad conscience about it. He has a clear conscience. I'm doing this for God. 
How many people do you talk to where uh, you see a husband and wife, they walk out on their marriage and they go hook up with somebody else. And, and, and one of the reasons is just in my heart, I feel this is the right thing to do. It's so easy for us to be deceived and to think in our heart we're doing the right thing because our heart seems to, 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 to tell us it's okay, this is what you need to do. The heart now, it can't be an effective yellow light. In other words, if your conscience pricks you about something, you should stop and say, hey, I need to look at this. But the heart is not always a good green light. See, the, the, the heart should have a voice, but it shouldn't make the final decision in your life. But here's the good news. Your heart can be trained. Your heart can be discipled. You can learn to lead your heart. Jesus put it this way. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He didn't say, put your money where your heart is. He said, if you'll put your money here, your heart will follow. If you'll put your money invest in God's kingdom, your heart will begin to lean and, and, and be concerned about God's kingdom. This is how Solomon put it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him and he will make your path straight. Okay, very simple. We're pretty familiar with that. So he says, don't depend on what you feel on the inside. See, your heart is not a trustworthy moral compass. It's not that your heart is always wrong or that it's always right. It's just inconsistent. So Solomon says, don't trust your heart. Trust God with your heart. And then he uses the words rely and trust there. Those are used interchangeably. Don't rely and trust in your heart. Rely and trust rather on God. In other words, where you think I'll need to go here, I need to say this, I need to have this attitude, it's perfectly acceptable for me to do this. Rather than, than just following your heart, you say, God, okay, God, what do you want me to do? He, he used the, the next term, in all your ways. Acknowledge him. In other words, in every area of your life. See, this is something we have to be careful for because Satan will come up and he'll put this deception. He'll try and deceive us in all these different areas of our life. We think it may not be any big deal. Oh, but it is because once it produces fruit, once it has that stronghold there, it messes you up spiritually. So in all your ways, your financial ways, your marriage ways, your dating ways, your parenting ways, your relationship ways, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Now, what does it mean to acknowledge him? That means to submit to him. God, I want to do dating this way. What do you say? God, this is how I want to do my finances. What do you say? God, this is how I want to respond to this person who told me that. This is how I want to tell them off. What do you say? This is what they did to me, and I want to hold this grudge. I want to be angry at them. God, what do you say? In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Your paths is just your, your way of life, your living. Straight means to be upright, upright and prosperous. So when you don't trust your heart, but you trust God with your heart, and you submit all your ways to him, at the end of your life, you'll have a happy life. There won't be any regrets, is what he's saying. Until we learn not to trust our hearts. Because our hearts will tell us, go ahead and be angry. You have a right. 
Our hearts will tell us, go ahead and, and, and keep that guilt. You are guilty. You need to wear that guilt the rest of your life. Our hearts will tell us, go after this pleasure. Go ahead and do this. It's okay. It'll be good for you. Until we learn not to follow our hearts, we're going to be trapped in these strongholds. Uh, they did a study on social media. And what they found out was that people who are having financial difficulties, they're more likely to post pictures of themselves on a shopping spree. People who are having difficulties in their marriage, they're more likely to post a romantic date. How many of you know, I've known that, you know, here's our romantic date. You know, I've, I'm not on Facebook, but I, I hear these things, okay? You know, there's a romantic date, and I go, and I'm thinking, they got big marriage problems. There was nothing romantic about that date. You know, I know that. But we do the same thing in church, right? See, what they're doing is they're saying, hey, everything's okay. They want to give the appearance that everything's fine. And so we come to church a lot of times, want to give the appearance that everything's fine, everything's okay. It's not okay. Strongholds. Satan has come in and through deception, he's got strongholds in people's lives in all different areas, inside people in the church. I mean, that's obvious, right? Because the church is in a condition that's in, because our culture is in a condition that's in. Is the reason why it's because the church is in the condition that it's in. I mean, it's, it's no brainer. So, if you have a stronghold, well, the first thing you do is have to deal with the secrecy. Another verse. The one who conceals his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces him will find mercy. See, we don't want anybody to know. Let's hide it. And people will hide. They'll hide their anger for years. They'll hide their bitterness for years. They'll, they'll hide their sharp tongue. They'll, they'll, they'll hide this judgmental attitude. They'll hide these things for years, trying to keep things covered up. And Satan going, oh, yeah, this is great. Let's keep this a secret. Because the longer you keep it a secret, the more of a chance I have of keeping this stronghold up in your life. So, the natural question is, what are your strongholds? What are they? Don't tell me you don't have anything. I'm not buying that. Because there's brokenness in every family, in every church, across our nation. There, there's, there's strongholds going on everywhere. Don't tell me you don't have any. Just tell me what are you going to do about it. Are you going to, to begin letting God lead your heart? That you're not going to trust yourself, not going to trust your heart. You're going to trust God with your heart? That you're going to take every thought and wrestle to the ground and, and pour God's truth upon it? Or are you going to continue to try and hide and pretend nothing's really going on? I don't have any strongholds. Oh, yes, you do. You just had the walls up for so long, you've gotten used to them. So used to them, you don't even see them anymore. But they're there. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Because what you believe affects your behavior. It all starts in our hearts, our minds, our thoughts. That's where the battle is at. Isn't it time you started trusting God with your heart? Rather than believing that 
You have a right to have this attitude to, to be angry, to, to be judgmental. You have a, a right to this pleasure in your life that, that, that's crippling you. Or this is going to turn out great. You know, this, you know, it's short term. This is going to be a great thing for me. And no, it's not. It's because your heart has been exposed to lies for so long. You don't see sin for the ugliness that it is and the destruction that it causes. It's time for us to rise up and stop giving into temptation. We spent something like nine weeks talking about this. Because we have to get this right. We have to get this right. And I pray that you'll want to do that today in your life. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.